Welcome to the Talking People and Technology podcast. My name is David Gazzarotto, and uh, we're here uh, live at the HR Tech Fest 2017, joined by my esteemed colleague, Scott Wilson. Welcome Thank you, back. David. Thank you. Great to have you here on the podcast. And uh, really delighted to have with us a special guest, Josh Burson. Hi, Burson. David. Great to have you here. Thank you. Um, very, uh, it's a, been a bit of a buzz, this conference, hasn't it? Yeah, it's really cool. Yeah. It's uh, not your first trip to Australia, though, is it? Third trip. Fourth trip. Yeah. Roughly, yeah. And just, um, you mentioned in your presentation this morning, you've got some great observations on the Australian market and how impressed you are with some of the, right. the evolution of, uh, I guess, digital HR or HR in the digital age. What are some of those things that have impressed you? Well, one thing I've noticed in, in the Australian market is organizations have been focusing on uh, diversity, inclusion, fairness, well-being for quite a while. Actually, yeah. a number of years. It's sort of just becoming big in the States. So I think you guys are ahead of the curve. Companies over here are ahead of the curve and thinking about the human side of business. Yeah, you talked about corporations as <clears throat> citizens too, and I right. think there's a real push yeah. for that right now, isn't there? You've got... Um, you know, we've, we've seen uh, um, Spotify, who we talked to yesterday, their parental leave policy yeah. has, has, has got notoriety. Um, we've had a lot, of, a lot of the corporations here got behind the, the marriage equality push in, in politically. So we're yeah. seeing this real, you know, uh, as you say, corporations as citizens. Um, where do you think that's going? And, and how? Well, I think what's caused it is um, employees all over the world are feeling stress from their their political lives, their social lives, their countries they live in, the economic uncertainty. Millennials actually are um, somewhat pessimistic about their future compared to what young people used to feel. Yeah. So, they're, so they're coming into the workforce and saying, I want my employer to be a great place. I want it to be mm. a company I'm proud of. I want it to help take care of me. I want it to do good things. So they're really changing their perspectives. Sure, they want to get a good salary and have a good career, but they really want to work for companies that are doing um, positive things for society and they want time to volunteer and to give back. And so they're really holding companies much more accountable than in the past. Mm. And then the other thing that's changed, of course, is there's so much transparency. If, if any bad behavior does happen in a company, it gets out. It's hard to hide it. Yeah. So yeah. CEOs and HR executives have to really take these issues seriously. Be proactive right. too, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Um, Josh, you've you recently released a, a piece on the top 10 disruptors in uh-huh. the HR technology space for 2018. Um, and one of the areas that, that's sort of fascinating me at the moment is with um, with artificial intelligence and the technology wrapped around that um, becoming more and more prevalent and, and moving at such a rate. Um, uh, we can we can absolutely see uh, an issue with how we acquire, recognise, and develop new skills in our businesses. How are you seeing those challenges being dealt with by organisations? Well, there's <clears throat> there's really two impacts AI is having. One is in HR itself, a lot of the reason we bought technology for all these years was try to make slightly more intelligent decisions about people. Mm-hmm. I mean, people decisions are never perfect, but who to hire, who to promote, who to give more money to, who's ready for a new job, what are the skills I need, all of these difficult decisions can be informed by data. And so AI is starting to make uh, our HR tools smarter and smarter and smarter, which will make the workplace better. Um, and we're in very early days of that, so a lot of these are good ideas that haven't necessarily all been fleshed out yet, but yeah. lots of vendors are working on it. And then on the employee work side, um, 
you know, we have we have mining companies here that have automated their mines. Uh, we have call centers that have automated mm-hmm. their customer service. Jobs are becoming more automated, and so the human side of work is becoming more human. So every time AI comes into a manufacturing plant and we get rid of a bunch of production workers, those people are now training the robots or looking at the data about the robots to to make other kinds of decisions, changing roles. So there's a lot of um, career reinvention going on. Uh, People feeling like they have to become more comfortable with digital tools and learn how to be better at analyzing and interpreting data. Social skills are more important again as AI reduces some of the routine parts of job. And that is all work that that HR needs to be part of. So so the the mandate for HR is to get involved in those projects Mm. and help reframe work and recraft work around it. And remarkably using technology to become more human again. Right. Isn't that funny? Fascinating stuff, isn't it? Yeah. Well, the technology... You know, listen, the technology dehumanizes a lot of things and that make people react negatively and then they immediately jump to the, well, I need better service and I need somebody to talk to. So the, the human element's not going away. No. <laughs> but are we at risk, though, um, in creating a, a divide, a social, socio-economic divide <clears throat> between the haves and the have-nots, those that are able to, you know, be productive in the digital age and, and those that don't have ha- the access and are able to... Well, there is a really interesting study. I just uh, tweeted about it yesterday um, that shows that even in manufacturing, customer service, you know, non, not IT roles, digital skills are critical. Yeah. Using digital tools, using your phone, using your computer, using Excel, using all of those, these things that some people consider to be natural. A lot of people don't know how to use. So that's one thing is digital, digital literacy is a prerequisite for any good paying job. Um, and then there's this issue of um, do we need a bunch of engineers or do we need everybody else? And it turns out there's kind of a little bit of a misconception. There's a belief that in order to be a digital company, we have to hire a whole bunch of software engineers. Mm. You do need some, but the, res- the economic research shows that only about 8% of the workforce is involved in the development of tools. 90% is involved in using the tools mm, yeah. and applying them and using them to solve customer problems. So, um, so we all have to be fluent. And then, and then if you're in HR or if you're in a leadership position, you need to know what blockchain is. You need to know what, did, what machine learning is. You need to understand the basics of math and statistics. And, and if you're not fluent in that stuff and you're intimidated by it, you're not going to be able to make good decisions. Nice. That's a massive a massive change in our traditional frameworks and it's a huge challenge for our C-suite right. to understand what we're talking about and to be able to move at a rate quick enough for us to achieve what Well, we if you're an to. executive, I mean, I was just in a session, uh, one of the people here talking about, you know, a large telecommunication company basically describing that digital literacy amongst their leaders is now one of their top priorities. Yeah. You know, most senior leaders educate themselves pretty well, but they, they don't, can't keep up with all this stuff. So HR has to make sure the digital fluency and the digital literacy is, is well distributed inside the company, right. including inside of HR. Yeah, absolutely. Just changing tack a little bit, you yeah. are one of the most followed analysts and influencers in the space. Um, I know there's rarely a customer that I turn up to that doesn't throw a Burson diagram <laughs> in front of me and go, we want that. <laughs> um, but I'm interested in who you follow. 
Who are your influences? Where do you kind of You know, it's engage? a good question. I respect everybody. I read mm. everything I can get my hands on. I read books. Um, I read blogs. I look at the stuff that vendors put out. Mm. Every survey, every study, people, competitors to Deloitte, I read all their stuff. I, I think my role is in some ways to be a pattern matcher yeah. Yeah. and to make sense of it all. Uh, I try to read as much academic research as I can. Um, I follow the people that I find the most inspiring are the senior HR and business leaders that are pioneering and innovating new ideas. So one of the fundamentals of our research yeah. is case studies. So we, so I'm out, I go mm-hmm. to conferences like this. I'll go listen to a bunch of presentations. And if there's somebody doing something really innovative, I'll go up to them and say, look, can we write about you? Can we talk to you? Will you come to one of our meetings? Because I think a lot of the invention isn't happening in the research department or in the vendor community. It's happening inside companies. Absolutely. Companies are experimenting with a lot of cool things now. So I think you know, a significant amount of innovation is coming out of big companies, and we have to kind of sort of find that, and that's yeah. a lot of what I do. Yeah, perfect. Um, one, uh, one, one final question from me. Uh, looking at the, um, the innovation that gets delivered to us as individuals and consumers... And we're we're consuming and experiencing that at um, considerably greater knots than uh, rates than ever before. Um, on in our businesses, um, we're not having that innovation delivered to us as quickly because we have process wrapped around it, and we have you know scenarios that, that you know stop us from doing it quicker. Um, my concern is is that we'll never catch up from a in, from a work perspective. How would you recommend that companies adopt that innovation at a rate that they can keep up with the challenges? Mm. And, and it's a keep really up? good question. <clears throat> now, when we we wrote, we have this picture we show with the the adoption of technology and and consumers. We as as individual consumers adopt technology very very fast. And you know, we use virtual reality, we use YouTube, we use videos, we use our phones, and then the company is way behind. And the only way the company can keep up is to continuously innovate and experiment with new tools to see what's going to work in a given company environment. You can't wait for the IT department to standardize on some piece of software and then roll that out and expect that to be an innovative, creative experience. It might be, but in the case of HR, what we generally find is that you have to do prototypes and do experiments um, and, and once you do that, determine if they're going to be effective globally and let people use them. Most, I mean, the rate of, you guys know this, the rate of adoption and change of, of workplace technology is like I've never seen it. Mm. Yeah. And, you know, video recognition, voice recognition, there's tools. I just was in a session where somebody, there's a tool where you can snap a picture of your food. It'll figure out how many calories you ate and recommend your next meal. It's amazing. <laughs> I'm not I sure mean, I that, want that you know, one, know That Josh. could apply to the <laughs> restaurant industry. So if yeah. you're not experimenting with this stuff as a business, you're going to get caught by somebody else who is. And I, I think we've heard the message a few times over the last couple of days about creating that culture of, of not fearing failure. Right. And I think that has a, a lot to do with that ex- culture of experimentation and being able to have a go at things and not be worried about failing. Right. And that helps us adopt that innovation quicker. Yeah. Well, Josh, we've um, only just scratched the surface, um, but that's all we've got time for. I really appreciate you taking thank some you, time David. out for the podcast and we'll hope to catch you again sometime soon. My pleasure. Thank you very thank much, you, Josh. Thank you very much. Thank okay. you. Okay. Bye. Cheers.